0: Lord, would you come, even now, even as we await Christmas morning, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to be amongst us now, to reveal to us in new ways your Son, Lord, the faithfulness which you have bestowed on us through him, faithfulness to redeem and faithfulness to restore. And it's in, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 You be seated. <clears throat> I'm not sure if your household is anything like my household, but at this time, only a few days away from Christmas morning, we are in full Christmas swing, (laughs) right? If there's ever a moment that you were gonna get caught up in the season, it's, it's right now, Advent four. We only have one candle left to go. Travel plans have been made at this point. The menu has been planned. Maybe a few presents left to get, but for the most part, it's time it's time. All that's left is the waiting. It's time. We get caught up in the season. We had a pageant last week. We have Christmas Eve in just a few days. Church this morning, there's much activity. But in the face of that activity, I want to stop this morning just for a moment, and I want to linger just for a moment on Matthew's account of Christ's birth. Now, you see, without realizing it, sometimes We think of the birth narrative as just this one homogenous story. We picture the manger scene, and rightfully so. It's a beautiful scene. And we picture Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the angel and the shepherds and the wise men and the star and a, a camel and a sheep. We picture it all there together. And the pageant is a wonderful tradition, and it tells a wonderful story. And if you've never had an angel wave at you from the balcony, like I had at my first <laughs> St. John's pageant just a few days ago, I highly encourage it. But there's a, a danger when we think of this story all together, when we, when we don't look at the differences that Luke brings to the picture and that Matthew brings to the picture. Sometimes we're, we're in danger of missing out on the distinct voices that these Gospel writers bring to us. For instance, only Matthew and Luke actually have an account of the birth narrative of the four Gospels. Only the two speak of Jesus the Christ child being born and coming into this world. And these two writers, they take two very different approaches. Luke, for instance, writes in chapter one, the very introduction of his Gospel, the very beginning, he's laying out His purpose for writing, and he says in verses 3 and 4 that he is writing an orderly account that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Luke wants you to know the eyewitness details, the history that took place in the life of Jesus Christ. He is able to track down the name of the angel who came and spoke to Mary, There's only two angels that are explicitly named in all of Scripture. And Luke does the work to track down the name of that angel who came and spoke to Mary. He also is the one who gives us the reason why the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph, go to Bethlehem in the first place. In chapter 2, verse 2, he explains that there is a registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. These are details that you only include when you want your reader to know the details. When you want your reader to hear and to know the history that took place. In contrast, Matthew does something very different. He's very sparse on the details, actually. Bethlehem, the city where Jesus is born, isn't even mentioned until after Jesus is born in Matthew's account. There's no mention of a manger, no swaddling clothes, no heavenly host, no shepherds. Matthew does give us the wise men coming from the east, but there's no details that place them on the night of Jesus' birth beside the manger. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 11, Matthew writes that the wise men go into the house where Jesus was. Most likely at this point he's an infant, uh, maybe a year, maybe as much as two years old. Now, the difference is striking between these two stories, these two depictions of this one story. See, Luke's account is more like a classic work of art with its rich detail. Think of the the Sistine Chapel. I'm sure we've all seen pictures of God reaching out and, and touching the finger of Adam. Think of the beauty of the detail of that depiction of that moment. It's striking. But what Matthew does is something much different. It's it's much more like a, a modern work of minimalist art. There are clean lines, and there are basic colors. See, it's one story, but it's being told from two different vantage points. There's no reason for us to think that one is better or worse, more trustworthy or less trustworthy, more authentic or less authentic. They are both equally as trustworthy, but they come from two different perspectives on the one story of the birth of Christ. So with all that's going on, in our lives at this moment. I'm pretty sure right now my wife is at home making about two billion, that's too much, but making a lot of cinnamon rolls so that we can just hand them out. With all the busyness that's going on in your life as well, I want to take just a moment to look at Matthew's simple account and to see what it is that he has to say. What is it that his picture shows us? So if you want to open your Bibles, we are in The Gospel of Matthew, we're looking at chapter 1, beginning at the 18th verse. It's printed in your bulletin if you want to look there, or feel free to open up uh, the Bibles that are in front of you in your pews. What we'll see is that Matthew has two foundational and revolutionary and revelationary truths about Christ's birth for us to see. Here's the first. Matthew says that we are to see Jesus as the Christ, if we are to see him as the Savior, then we must look back. We must look back. Here's the first clue. The beginning of Matthew's gospel is a genealogy. In the beginning of that genealogy, verse 1, chapter 1 of Matthew, reads that the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew here, he's drawing a clear line. A clear line from the birth of Judaism to the birth of Christ. Why would he do that? Why begin his gospel this way? One biblical scholar puts it well and very concisely. He says that it's because Jesus is not a metaphor. It's because he is real. It's because this all happened. Matthew's not writing a fairy tale. This is not once upon a time. This is not a self-help book, 10 Steps to a New You. That's not what Matthew's writing. Matthew is reporting news. He's reporting the news of what God has already done, what God has already done on our behalf. Advice is counsel about what you must do, the scholar writes. But news, news is a report about what has already been done. See, Matthew begins with this genealogy because he's, he is reporting how God has arranged the generations for this moment in time, for this family, and for this child to come. Our second clue that we have, that Matthew gives us, is that Jesus is best seen in the light of what God has already done is Matthew's editorial asides. Look at verse 22 with me. Matthew recounts Uh, this conversation that Joseph and and, um, and the angel have together. And then in verse 22, he inserts this comment, this editorial aside. He says, Matthew writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. By the prophet. That's a refrain that he comes back to in the first three chapters of his gospel. By the prophet. Spoken by the prophet. Written by the prophet. According to the prophets six times in three chapters Matthew inserts these asides that we might know that this has been written about before by the prophet by the prophet This point is clear and it's simple it's that this child this is the child This is the child that the world has been waiting for Our third clue comes when we look at what that prophet said here in verse 23 Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. That has a familiar ring to it. God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, when he makes an everlasting covenant with Abraham, he says, I promise to be God to you and to your offspring. God with us. He says to Isaac in Genesis 26, verse 3, I will be with you, God with us. He says to David in 2 Samuel, I have been with you wherever you went, God with us. Then we see it here in our account. As the angel tells Joseph that God is with us again, except this time, this time it's different. This time, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. See, the simple lines and the basic colors that Matthew uses in his gospel, they paint a clear picture that we might see that the birth of Christ is in harmony with all that God has done leading up to this moment. But not only that, that it is a distinct progression, that it is something new, that God has always dwelled with his people and that he has always made them holy, and he's up to the same old thing again, but in a new way. I don't know about you, but this refrain is incredibly timely for me to remember, especially now, especially as we wrap those final presents, as we are ready to gather with our friends and with our family, as we get swept up into the magic of the season, this idea that we are together participating in something that is greater than any one of us. I mean, that's that's the point, right? Behind the traditions, the way we do things, during this season. That's why we give gifts that we might share in a mutual affection that's, that's greater than either one of us. It's why we gather together with those whom we love. And the truth is, this season, it can be, for those reasons, incredibly fulfilling. And at the same time, many of you know that it can be incredibly lonely. But the question for us this morning is, what are you getting swept up into What has gotten you? Matthew shows us that when we look at that child, we see the culmination of God's faithfulness throughout time. We see the work of God throughout all generations to lead us to this moment. That's the first thing that Matthew lays out for us in his simple account of the birth story. And the second is like it. It's similar. He says that if we are to see Jesus as the Christ, if we are to see him as our Savior, we must look back, yes. But if we are to know him, if we are to know him as the Christ, if we are to know him as our Savior, well, we must look forward. We must look beyond just the birth of Christ. Literally translated, the name Jesus, it means God saves. So in verse 21, when the angel tells Joseph, call his name Jesus, he then explains, for he will save his people from their sins. God saves. See, Matthew is foreshadowing the cost of God's faithfulness because it costs him much more than it costs us. See, even now with this babe in a manger, God is anticipating the cross that is to come. He's anticipating being raised up crowned mockingly as king of the Jews. And he's anticipating that moment in resurrection when he can be raised up triumphantly, crowned king of all creation. It's fitting then that Matthew reports that the first visitors to this child are three Gentiles, three people who are outside of the faith, the people of God. In Matthew's account, they are the first to arrive on scene. That's on purpose. It's because Matthew's looking forward to the cross. He's looking forward to the redemption that the whole world will share in because of this child. This child is God's gift of salvation to all people. Now, I want to conclude in two ways. First, I have to acknowledge that there are two groups in this room this morning. There are those who know Christ, know him as the Christ, know what it means that God saves, and then there are those who don't yet know that, who don't quite understand exactly what that means. If you're in this first group, let me say, this season of gift giving, uh, it's, it's unique, but as you know, not all gifts are created equal. A book is a great gift, right? I love books, If it's a book of fiction, it's it's easy to be received. If it's a book about dieting, (coughs) well, that's a little bit harder to take. (laughs) If it's a book about how to be less selfish, that's harder to receive. And in fact, when you receive that gift, well, you're kind of admitting defeat, right? You're admitting that fault. You have to swallow your pride to receive that gift. It takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage to say, yes, actually, I do need help. Yes, actually, this would be good for me. God has in store for us a gift. And in some ways, it's a gift that's easy to receive because we do nothing to to earn it. We do nothing to have to, to obtain it. And in that way, it's easy. But in another way, it's very hard because we have to have courage to take it up. We have to have courage to lay ourselves down. We have to have courage to admit that in fact we do need help. That God can only do that which we cannot do for ourselves. Friends, let me encourage you that God has in store if you take courage and take up this gift that he has laid beside for you in this manger. That God has in store something greater for you Something more hopeful than you can guess, more scary, more joyful, more challenging, more life changing than you can imagine. Take courage. Receive this gift. Swallow your pride and just try it. Look and see. Taste for yourself. Now, if you're in that other group, if you know Christ, if you know who He is, if you understand what it means that, that God would take on flesh to save us, well, my challenge to you is it's quite simple don't get caught up so much in this momentary season there's going to come a time in a few days from now we're not thinking about it but it's going to come the dishes will be washed the presents will be open the friends and family that have gathered will have left there's going to come a moment where you take a deep breath and you say well i gotta wait again one more year That anticipation is gone. What Matthew paints for us in this clear, simple picture is that the anticipation of this season never leaves us. It's a hope that we can rest in. That though this Christmas is past, the joy of having our Savior with us in the flesh is something that we can rest in, that we can trust and place our lives in forever until we see him ourselves face to face. Pray that in that moment you will remember these two names that matthew gives us emmanuel god with us and jesus god saves amen